And welcome, folks, yes, to another show here at Dublin South FM Radio, where we bring you the best, the best people in the world, the ones that know everything. And I say that with a smile on my face because our next guest, Andy, will pull me up on that and say, we don't know everything, but we're learning all the time. Andy right. Paul. He is an, an amazing man. I've known Andy many years, probably five years, Andy, believe it or not. He was yeah. the first person that came on my radio show. And when he when he agreed to come on, I was like a Cheshire little cat that had got the milk. Many years on, we have spoken through LinkedIn. And I'm delighted to bring Andy on again, especially that he has brought out his new book, which he will tell us all about. Andy, welcome to Dublin South FM Radio. Joe, thank you very much for having me. Always a pleasure great. to talk. Yeah, yeah. I, I, we, we think alike or sometimes we disagree, mm. but that's what it's all about. It's what it, right. it's about. Andy, I'm going to ask you a question. Sure. Sales. Last two years. Have you seen that people now are coming out of a pandemic, especially in Europe, and those days of order taking, which is no needing to sell, is changing, and people now have to go back to sell? <laughs> yeah, great question. I was having a conversation about that the other day. It's like, could we, yes, business got done during the pandemic, but what was missing, right? What didn't we do? Because I think there's, to some degree, it serves this level of self-satisfaction on many companies' parts. It's like, yeah, we survived. We actually grew, maybe. Uh, let's just keep doing this. And it's like, yeah, I don't think the situation stays the same. I think there will be changes. Uh, I th I'm already seeing demands from customers to have sellers come back. You know, they want to meet with salespeople. It's small, but it's growing. I mean, because companies go back to the office because one of the reasons is there's just, there's just a difference. Yeah, you can do business remotely. I've done business remotely for my entire career, selling overseas you know, from the U.S. to uh, countries outside the U.S., mostly, during, <laughs> mostly on the phone. But there's always a good reason to go meet somebody at some point in time that helped either move the deal forward, solidified the relationship. And I think people have missed that. Quite frankly. Yeah, I think they have. But what we're finding um, here at the moment is there's going to be a, su a supply issue. You know, there's a lot of sanctions coming in mm -hmm. Europe. There's mm -hmm. been two years of COVID has shut factories down. Right. So there's a supply issue. Let's look at example, the motor industry. Mm. We know that the motor industry, like we, that Skoda in, I think it's Hungary, said it's going to close its factories for the time being, because what's going on over there with supply, we know that right. the microchip in certain yep. cars weren't available. So that then makes items scarce. Mm -hmm. Over the last decade, like in the 1950s, we had the white product, which nobody needed to sell. A sales meeting was a, basically a product knowledge um, mm -hmm. get together. Mm -hmm. Is it going to be the case of that we now to now get need back in to have salespeople and not order takers moving in for the next decade? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree on that 100%. I think that even as we see more automation come into play in the selling process, in the buying process, that 
the research sort of shows that when you're in situations where in automation, I think a certain example or the, the buying experience or let's say the products being sold are perceived to be relatively similar, the difference maker, the tiebreaker between competing sellers tends to be the individual salespeople. And I think as we become more automated, that's going to become increasingly the case because as the buying experience becomes more vanilla, the buyers are looking for something they don't already know, right? That's what they want from a seller. And if it's just, Hey, I'm downloading content from your website and blah, 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 blah. It's like, what's different about that? Well, you insert a person into that. And I think you start making a difference. They want to so, hug. yeah. So I'm yeah. I'm a huge believer that uh, humans actually become more important in that environment. You mentioned there as well, Andy. You know, it's that automation, and one of the bugbears that I see, and there was a survey out there during the week that salespeople are selling less because of the more internal digital systems that they need to put in, put input. And, you know, one of the thing is someone comes up with a great idea, do this and the salesperson does it. And then suddenly something else comes on and they have to add to it. And then they're told you need to do A, B and C. And if you don't do A, B and C, you're going to get in trouble. And if you don't do D and D is introduce this or upsell them this product, you're going to get in trouble. So the salesperson then is doing all this work. He's terrified that he's going to get in trouble because he didn't upsell warranty or mm. insurance or something. And he didn't introduce him to the finance guy or whatever it may be. So instead of being present in the deal, they're actually trying to, okay, think two steps ahead about pleasing mm. the KPIs of mm. the company. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Well, that's sort of one of the main themes of the book I just published. Um, <laughs> thank you for setting me up that way. <laughs> uh, yeah, is that is a problem. Is, is that we've sort of entered this age the last 10, 15 years where I think this really starts with the leadership in the company, as you sort of implied, is that the process becomes more important than anything else, right? And meeting our KPIs. And what we're finding is that, yeah, I believe that to your point, first point you made is that salespeople are actually becoming less productive as a result of this because they're not given the opportunity to really develop into the best version of themselves. Instead of being given the autonomy to experiment and try new things and new ways of selling and, and being encouraged by their managers to take some risks in doing that, they're told, nope. Here's the process. This is our playbook. This is what we say at this point in time. These are the questions we ask. Just execute the process and it'll be okay. But we're dealing with humans. So we're not interchangeable cogs in a, in a you know, machine. And this is not an assembly line work. As much as many people would like to make it, make sales assembly line work, it's not. There's always, you know, me talking to you, that's a unique interaction. We're two of seven and a half billion people in the world is what happens between us is could be unique between us. It can't be replicated exactly from person to person. It's like a very good friend of mine, John Murray, takes photographs of people and he says, what you see in the mirror is completely different to what other people see when they see mm-hmm. you. You know, so, and that's it. It's that energy between two people. But right. here's something 
I was going to do a, do a, a, a blog on this. Mm. When I was younger in sales, you and me are seasoned salesmen. We've started, like I knew I was getting into sales at 13, you know. Um, you, the IBM days really, you know, educated mm-hmm. yourself then as well. So, you know, I'd lay out my suit. So I'd, I'd get out of the shower, I'd lay out my suit, my belt, <laughs> my shoes, and I'd put it on like I was putting on an armor to go into battle, oh, yeah. Yeah. you know, yeah. and the shoes signed. Yeah, everything ready. I was ready to take on the battle. And looking back now, it, w- it was never a battle. When I was relaxing, speaking to people, I was genuinely, you know, hitting mm-hmm. their wants, their needs and their desires, whatever they may be. But going into it that morning, and I kind of went, what such a negative approach to have putting on all that inform all the 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 clobber as we mm-hmm. say yeah and it's was because that you know at that time it was the diet that you know the fit to survive mm. you know those that i'm trying to think of some right 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 yeah fuzzy, yeah, fuzzy dog, phrases yes. yeah okay so all that and i kind of kind of went do you know what the illusion that we even had as salespeople believing that and and what people say now today that I hate selling, but I like helping. I don't like to sell because we've created that the belief in selling has resistance and it doesn't. Mm. You know, would you agree with that or disagree? Yeah. I mean, I, if, 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 if I understand where you're going, I think that that along with putting on that armor, as you talk about, is we assumed a mindset. Mm. And that mindset was about a certain perspective about what our job was and the way to execute it in a way that that buyers instinctively resisted. <laughs> and, and it's still the case today, right? That these, these uh, traditional sales-centric, pushy, semi- uncomfortable manipulative techniques uh, that everybody's taught. Yeah. The experience on the buying end is just, has always been negative. And I think it's for a large, large period of our history is buyers make the decision to buy despite the salesperson, not because of the salesperson. Yeah. And I think, I think this is, is something that needs to change is as an individual, you want to be at an affirmative part of the decision and not that they're making the decision because they are despite you. Um, you want to be liked. It, you know, it, something I learned a long, long yeah. time ago was if you like people, they like you and if they buy off you. And it was never sell something, you know, help the person make the decision. That that was it. Right. Yeah, well, I, I, that's why I think that I lay out the, dichotomy in my new book is yeah for most salespeople if you ask them what's your job they say well my job is to persuade somebody to buy my product or service and i think it's sort of 180 degrees from that more what you were just saying i think my job and the job of a salesperson is to listen to your buyer understand what are the most important things to them right in terms of the challenges they face and the outcomes they want to achieve and then help them get that so find out what's most important to somebody, help them get that. That's the mindset you want to have going out as a salesperson. Do you think that's lacking? Like I, you and me know you go into 
even the language I'm using now, you know, you have a sales presentation, you know, and you listen and you listen and you listen and then you find out, you know, what's what they need, what's wrong, what, you know, why they, you know, have these problems, whatever you want to call it. And then you then address what those problems are. But you're saying that does that not happen? It, it, am I, <laughs> am I if I lost a plot? Yeah. I mean, so here's what breaks down. Cause I've been on yeah, podcast tour to promote my new book and been on many, many shows. And, and on two occasions, guests who are themselves sales leaders said, Oh I, yeah, I love the book. And I get it. This is the way we should sell. But I've got a quota to meet. And like, Silence. So, yeah. And so what you're telling me is as a salesperson, as a sales leader, in order to hit your number, you've got to indulge in bad sales behaviors. You've got to be salesy. You've got to do the things that buyers resist. And that's implicit. And so many people, they think, yeah, this really is, this is great. But when push comes to shove, I got to indulge in bad sales behaviors. <laughs> it's like, No, you don't, right? I mean, if you leave yourself in that position and you sort of train yourself and your buyers that that's what's coming, (laughs) you know, that's going to be your habit. But trust me, it doesn't have to be that way. And actually, as I describe in my book, the path to a shorter decision cycle is through what I describe is by listening, make sure you really understand what's most important to the buyer and the helping them get that. And the way to do that, you'll actually compress their decision cycle, not elongate it. Honesty, you know, I selling for years and never trained, you know, selling, winging, Mm. selling, and then was properly trained how to sell. And it was consultive selling. And Mm -hmm. I still believe that to me, that is the best way to sell. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I would then learn it would come in to muscle memory because I would practice it. So it's muscle memory into me like Kung Fu. Okay. Mm-hmm. So then it doesn't come across fake in any way. Yep. So I would switch off, not knowing that I was selling, but I was helping the person make their own decision on what mm-hmm. they needed to do. Mm-hmm. And I would hit my targets. I would make money and I won, you know, prizes, gifts, top sales, right. everything. And right. never once was I taught that I was selling. But what I noticed as well, the momentum and the energy of me doing this created something in the ether that just brought more and more to me. And then the referrals mm-hmm. kept coming in from the people mm-hmm. that I was selling to and everything just exploded. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, think what you did is you created, I like to look at it from the, the buyer's perspective is, is you created this positive experience for them. Yeah. yeah. And there's been you know, multiple studies on this, you know, Gartner, Challenger, Forrester, all the big analyst firms saying, yeah, when the products are perceived to be similar by the buyer, what's the tiebreaker? The tiebreaker is the buyer's experience with you as a salesperson. In fact, in the Challenger sale, they talk about, you know, 50, 53% of the buyer's decisions based on their interaction with the individual seller. So, okay. So the, the situation you described is sort of the exemplification of that is, is it was really at the end of the day, it was about you. True. Assuming your product 
did what they needed to have done. Yeah. Radioactive material. Yeah. <laughs> for painting I mean, then, your walls. Then, <laughs> right. Then it then it became down it all became to, you know, down to you. Yeah. Well it's, I've, yeah, I've, it's honorable. Honorable, I think that it is. But yeah. But I mean uh, it's 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 not what's it's interesting. You know, there's this dichotomy between what's sort of in some cases what's taught and then what's practiced. And I, this is really a failure of leadership. You know, to the question I said before, a sales leader saying, well, yeah, this is great, but uh, when I've got a number to hit, all bets yeah, are off. No, I that that management style could, if they looked at it, if they were coached and looked at it from a different perspective, mm-hmm. they would get better results, Yep, have the guts to get rid of the toxicity. And, mm-hmm. and the reason I say that, because you might have sales guys who are toxic and oh, yeah. are, you know, hitting the numbers and they're brilliant, but they have this, they're making everyone else in the organization feel inferior. The, the sales manager has to realize that even though he's doing the numbers, if he's looking at the numbers mm-hmm. to get rid of that person mm-hmm. and then let everyone underneath flourish, flourish right. and the business would do a lot better then as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, you work with small businesses and yeah, I've, as did I for a long time as in my consulting practice, small mid-sized businesses, it was very typical to come in and there'd be, yeah, one salesperson. Oftentimes it's sort of been in there early and they had all the good accounts. They had, you know, lion's share, disproportionate share of the revenue they were producing. And yeah, they were holding the organization back just as you described. Mm-hmm. And yeah, in those cases, either you get rid of them or you, you, uh, you know, take accounts away because they're not servicing the accounts appropriately or whatever. But that can be a huge impediment for a company trying to grow. Absolutely. The beauty is what companies don't realize if you get rid of that person, the company that they were serving, probably 67, 60, 70% will stay with the company and not the person. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a big, yeah. I think it's a big fallacy that the customers fall, follow salespeople. Yeah. They stay with the company. And yeah. yeah, when I talk to CEOs or hiring managers saying, look, you know, we're trying to hire somebody. It's got a big network, a big book of contacts and so on. It's like, no, don't do that. Reality. Because Reality. it doesn't, it doesn't transport well. No. It rarely transports. It doesn't mean there aren't exceptions, but in the main, it does not. Customers don't follow salespeople. I had Benjamin Delaney on in a previous show and part of this sales series that we're doing, and he calls himself the most hated salesman in England. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, sales trainer, and he sales trainer. Yeah, yeah, I've seen his stuff. Yeah, yeah, and he, you know, he's he's a good guy. I've known him like yourself, and he was saying to me, "Have you write a book?" He goes, "No." He says, "I haven't wrote a book because everything I know about sales, I could write on one sheet of paper." He says, mm-hmm. and and I I would need to bulk up the other 340 pages with something, he goes, and I'm laughing. I'm laughing at it because you and me know when you ch- fine-tune the sales process, it, you could literally write it on a piece of paper. Sure. Yeah. But the book has to give that mindset and understanding and all the other different pieces as well. Examples. So my question, examples. So my question to you is, why did you decide to write this book? Were you frustrated well, with the, the, the falseness and the crap 
that's going on out there. <laughs> <laughs> I decided to write the book because I believe we weren't getting any better at this. Almost to a point you brought up early in the conversation, maybe we we're even getting worse at, at selling. And yeah. why? And and yeah, you know, we sort of had hit this point in in you know the early two thousands and this last decade is that this belief that somehow if you just take what we we're doing before in the sort of pre-internet days, and we these what I call the bad sales behaviors, the salesy sales behaviors, and if we just automate them and do more of them, we're modern sellers. Do you mean <laughs> like lead generation? That's what. Sort of yeah, I mean in, inbound. Well, it's not just inbound. It's it's the way that we. You know, it's one thing to to be a salesperson, let's say you're out in the field and that's a pre-internet days and you're making cold calls in person, knocking on doors and you, you weren't terribly prepared, but the impact of that was, uh, well, you called on 10 people today and yeah, you were unprepared. Now I'm going to email 50 people a day that I'm unprepared for. I'm going to pitch for that's you know, not, not a personalized outreach at all. Um, and I'll give you, I mean, give you my favorite example is, is so, your audience may or may not know is I've got a podcast and gosh, we're up to 1,043 episodes, something like that, but doing it for a long time. And I get this a direct message on LinkedIn, on my LinkedIn inbox. And someone said, look, I was just, I was just looking at your profile on LinkedIn. And I think that you would make a great candidate to start a podcast. <laughs> oh, my, my podcast is all over my profile. I mean, yeah, but this is not atypical behavior, yeah. right? And I couldn't resist. Yeah, I, I responded because usually I just delete those messages, but it, it was so flagrant. And so I said, uh, you know, I don't want to sound <laughs> like like an ass here, but what are you doing, right? You are on LinkedIn. You could have taken ten seconds, looked at my profile. And decided and discovered I wasn't the right fit for it. And the response came back and says, oh, I don't have time to do that. Don't, yeah. That's and it's, it, this is not uncommon. Yeah. I Let me use give another story. Someone saying, do you want to do podcasts, you know, get listeners? And I've been doing this for five years. Yeah. And, and I said, no. I says, well, I have, a, I says, my benefit is, I'm the chairman of a radio station and I have two shows on it. <laughs> so I'm projecting myself out onto the airwaves as well. Right. So no, right. I, I don't need this. But he just came back with a response going, oh no, but you know, I said, you don't, they weren't listening. Right. That, you know, I, you know, 40,000 people in a bandwidth on, on air. So it's not right. even podcasts, you know, so <laughs> But, well, but to that point, though, is, is people are, he was thinking his job was to go out and persuade somebody, you, to buy his product. So understanding you, understanding your concerns doesn't really high on the list, right? Because if I keep knocking on enough doors with the serve MO, I'll find somebody eventually. And, and this is for large swaths of certain industries. This is sort of the way sales is conducted these days, which is. It's less about selling. It's more about just playing the odds. Hooking. Hooking. Throw, yeah. throw, throw enough shit against the wall and see what sticks. Attitude. See what sticks. Yeah. yeah. And we've gotten really good at 
throwing shit against the wall and bringing opportunities or potential opportunities on the top of the funnel. And so for just okay at sales execution, yeah, we'll close enough. And this is, this is sort of a prevailing MO, you know, even companies that, that you know, I find interesting that, you know, sell into sales forces, you know, sell to sales teams. Yeah. You know, they're operating on win rates, you know, in the low 20%. I was talking to one company <laughs> this week, uh, talking to the CEO and the, the president of the company, two different people. And they sell two sales teams and their win rate on their software package is 13%. So I mean, you have their most qualified opportunities. They win 13%, you know, so one of every, what, seven. Mm. It's like, you're not selling. <laughs> you know, that's, you've got a problem. Either you don't have a product market fit or your sales execution is just so substandard. That's order to, to, to winning order taking. They're winning yeah. walk. They're, they're winning walk-ins. That's that's what they're getting walk-ins. You know, they're getting lucky. Yeah, they're getting lucky. So it's it's Here, here's part of the desire. The book was to change that and say, look, there's a really, you know, simple framework you can apply. Takes work, but if you focus more on, I said, creating these a positive buying experience for the buyer instead of just being all about you, it's a good. Good way to start changing things. Here's an example for you. Mm -hmm. There was a company who went into lockdown and had sales teams and the sales teams couldn't set, go out on the road. Mm -hmm. And when before the lockdown, they were too busy servicing their customers to sell. And this was right. Benjamin was telling me this. And then when they got into lockdown, they couldn't serve their customers but they mm -hmm. weren't selling. So they right. got rid of the X amount of staff and concentrated on the ones. So the lockdown was a blessing to them, you know, and helped the company grow. Right. Now, the biggest thing that I get asked from people is how do I get customers? You know, we can help someone with the presentation. But the thing that they have, the issue that they have, is getting the people to have those presentations with. What would you say mm -hmm. to them? So the challenge is getting meetings with the right prospects. Like, are they cold calling? Who knows? Are they using inland, in, in, inbound? We spoke about right. this before. Right. The, right. You know the inbound marketing and hoping you set it up and hopefully that does what did you say years ago was it the leads under the christmas tree did you tell me say that to me or something or no leads like an atm machine yeah but, um, yeah, yeah jeff blunt actually jed blunt said that to me actually yeah all right was, yeah 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 he's a good guy um yeah today it really depends on who, sorry, who you're calling on right who your targets are I think what most companies found is that it's sort of a omni-channel or multi-channel approach to people, right? That you sort of have to use combination of being proactive and reaching out to people with doing some sort of, you know, um, you know marketing that might generate some inbound leads combined with social. I mean, you just have to sort of find out for the people you're talking to, what's going to be the most effective way 
Now, for me, I do a lot of things on LinkedIn. I reach out to people and start initiate conversations there. And then we'll move them to actual conversations. Um, but that works for me and the people yeah. I'm, I'm targeting. In other yeah. cases, yeah, maybe you have to do more on the phone. Pick up the phone and make calls. It depends. Um, yeah, it depends on the marketplace that you're in. Right. And like like yourself, LinkedIn, it's reaching out to people. I've noticed that when I reach out to people, I try something and it works. And then suddenly that same approach fades. And mm-hmm. then I try something else and I get nothing. And, mm-hmm. I go, mm. and then I then tweak it. So it's it's yep. it's constantly tweaking something within the parameters of what's going on in the world to be realistic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I've, I've one of my favorite quotes is from the American philosopher, Ralph Waldo Emerson, live back in the 1800s. He said, you know, all life is an experiment. The more experiments you make, the better. Mm-hmm. The journey. And yeah. yeah, that's, that's how you have to treat sales. You know, if when it becomes a system, when it becomes this, overweening process that that people are supposed to comply to then you start losing the ability to experiment and then what i see is that productivity goes down fakeness yeah you know the the whole fake it till you make it i disagree with that totally i i you know i think you try to do something until you get better at it but don't fake it you know, that whole illusional garbage. People see through it, right? Your, yeah. your prospects that you're selling to, they're humans. They get it. You know, if you're trying to start, put something over on them, they get it. Unless they're in the metaverse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whole other topic. Yeah, there's some people that are going hard down that path thing, and that's yeah. the way sales is going to go. Uh, uh, I think I'll hold off on that. Hopefully I'll be retired. Uh, <laughs> the book. Yes. A lot of research. T- tell us how you craft this, you know, the, the information that you want to share with everybody. It's a combination of research and conversations, you know, with hundreds of people on my podcast and, and decades of experience. So, yeah, it's it's a mix of of all of the above, and yeah, like everything. It's in with you is you know my views on what works and what doesn't have evolved over the years, um, and I'm a huge believer that. And up, oh, who's that in the background there? That is Charlie, uh, hey, Charlie. my my seven eight month old pup, which oh. uh, you know everybody he's come part of the show. He's always up yeah. there and. People have basically, you know, gone, God, what's Charlie doing today? Um, yeah. <laughs> but it's, every time it's I just... come down and I see him, Andy, in the morning, he's got bigger. He's like a horse. He's, yeah. he's grown. Yeah. Well, he does look big. I would have thought he was a fully, fully mature dog. So did I six months ago. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, yeah. Uh, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Plastic. Yeah. Very mellow for a puppy. Very mellow. Yeah. It's just had a big long walk. And yeah, okay. Th- there's some people I'll be talking to, and he'd be actually chewing my hand. So <laughs> I go, yeah, they have blood. Yeah. <laughs> but with the book, so it's basically 
a lifetime of thought process, speaking to people, coming up with observations and conclusions. Would, would that what it would be? Well, uh, and actually it's a lot of research in as well. I mean, so I think you're like me, read widely, uh, read about a lot of topics that are not sales specific, but related to sales, um, psychology, behavioral economics, and so on. And and you've probably experienced in your career is, is certain things that happened and you couldn't really put words to them. And then like you read a book that you know, somebody had written and it's like, oh, so that's what happened, right? Suddenly I could put words to things that that uh, that I'd experienced. And in all my books, that's sort of been the case. I write about that. But yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's important for people to understand not just how to do something, but the why behind the how. Okay. And so the well, book. Then what will, if I recommend a book, I haven't read it yet, but I will recommend it. And I'm going to get a copy of it because I know you a long oh. time and I know it'll be worth well, reading. What will, what will be the benefit of for the reader? What will they get out of it? Will they get those ha-ha moments? Oh, they will. The book is full of them. And I think it's, it's sunny. The reaction so far, and we've had a great, great initial month with the book since it's been launched and um, great response. I think for a lot of people, it's, it's been, oh, you mean it's okay to sell this way? It's like giving people permission to be human again when they sell. Um, that is crazy. You know, the one thing that just hit me when you said that, and sorry for interrupting you, but it was, it was it's your show. You know, it's my show. Hey, yeah. you know. <laughs> the one thing that hit me was, why do people need permission? And everyone stopped. I don't like selling. I want to help. I want to help people. And, and they use all the, if you don't sell, you lose. You know, mm-hmm. if you're not actually selling, you lose business. So selling is good. So stop being, I don't know how to choose my words on the radio, you know. Stop being a wuss. Would that yeah. be it? Yeah. Well, no, I mean, it's, it's sellers feel a lot of pressure to conform. And this is part of what's occurred over the last, I said, a big trend the last 10, 15, 20 years is to conform to a process, right? This is the way we do things. So here's our playbook. These are the steps we follow. Make sure you execute these steps precisely. Ask these questions. And, you know, only ask questions at this stage in the deal. And then we're going to proceed to the next stage in the deal. And it's like, with these processes, they've created a, a reality that doesn't mirror what the buyer is going through. And sellers have felt, yeah, there's a, there is a better way, but I'm, I'm afraid to try to go down that path because I've got these expectations. I'm supposed to hit these activity metrics and da, 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 da. And my boss will be unhappy. And it's like, well, so what? You know, no one cares about your career as much as you do. Screaming no one, inside. Yeah, no one's, no one's as invested as you are. So if you're being asked to sell in a way that doesn't align with who you are, you have two choices. And I talk about this in the book. One, push back. Say, you know, that's not going to work for me. I think there's a better way that I can do this and handle this situation or work with this customer. Hold me accountable for results, but I need the autonomy to go act on this, you know, act this way, sell this way. 
And if your boss says no, then there's lots of other places in the world to work. Go find one because there are companies that do it right. There are managers that are willing to give you that agency over your choices that you make about how to sell. Go find the right situation. It's up to you, right? But if you're just going to, and this is, you know, I saw this early in my career, my first sales training class. I talk about this in the book. After I was out of college, I joined this big tech company of the day and, and go to their sales training class. And my initial reaction is, <laughs> holy shit, who acts this way? <laughs> right? What human being acts this way? And it's from that moment to me, it's like, well, yeah, I want to give this a shot, but I'm not going to do it that way. I can't do it that way. That's just not who I am. And my whole career has been sort of a series of, of situations similar to that. It's just like, yeah, there's great. I understand that's how that person is doing. I understand that's sort of how you're training people. But I think based on everything I've read and all my experiences, for me, this, this is the way I want to approach this. And as sellers, you have to take that responsibility. That's why the subtitle of the book is A Guide to Success on Your Own Terms. This is, I think sales is one of the few professions where you should be having that, that uh, creativity and productivity and autonomy to express yourself in a way that's unique to you, that builds on your strengths as a human being and your unique attributes. I think most people, when they get into the sales conversation, when they know what they're saying and doing and helping mm -hmm. and everything flow into it. I think initially what a lot of people that I'm speaking to struggle with is that initial phone call where the other person doesn't know your offer mm -hmm. or you're reaching out to people and they, they, they feel like they're praying. Oh, God, please, <laughs> please, please say yes, please. Please and take my call. Please take my call. And they're more focus on the resistance than actually just the flow. And if you, and that's what we do is we give them that, you know, confidence mm -hmm. to help them to get into that flow. So it comes more natural with them on it as well. Well, but part, of, part I'm sure what you do is, is just start by being interested in the other person, right? If you start by just being interested in what you're trying to do, then you get, you communicate that and people put up their defenses. Oh, you're trying to sell me something. And the fact is, is when you reach out to somebody, they're under no illusion. <laughs> it's who you are, right? This is the thing that, sir, I, I think is so amusing is, you know, everybody wants to like, no one's put sales on their business card, right? I'm an account manager. I'm a, a relationship manager. Consultant. I'm, I'm a yeah. manager of managers. Yes. You're in sales. Yeah. yeah. You're not, you know, be You're not proud. fooling anybody. Be proud. Yeah. Be proud of it. Exactly. And so how you do it makes a difference. And so if your first outreach to someone is just, you know, here's my elevator pitch, as opposed to just being a normal human being. And what do you do when you meet somebody in social life, you know, for the first time? I mean, if I was to meet you at a, you know, at a school function or something would the first words on my mouth be to pitch you on what a great person I am? <laughs> or would I ask a question about you? See, but the problem is on LinkedIn, you can't just say to someone, do you want to get, do you want to go to the bar? <laughs> <laughs> but, but you can do but, the same thing. You can. But here's the, here's the thing about LinkedIn. 
that's I'm just drifting sure, off here. Sure, sure. Is, yeah. is everyone goes, oh, LinkedIn is wonderful, and you know, people, we do get these sleazy, you know, connect, yep. and then do you want to buy this, yep. right? Yep. But LinkedIn, I don't care. People say it's a networking platform. Okay, it's a networking platform, but everyone that's on it is there to try and sell something. I don't. Yep. If you're active on LinkedIn, you are participating in the wonderful dance of prospecting. Yeah, that's commerce. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So and increasingly so. Yeah. But I, there's a yeah. way to do it that you're still human. Right. Mm. Is is yeah, I try to bring myself to those conversations when I talk to people and do something personal. I will look at per- people's profiles if they've reached out to me and I think they're interesting. This is yeah, this is part of it. So and I expect people to do the same if I reach out to them. Well, I'm going to look at Andy's profile. Well, when they look at my profile, what do they see? What, what and, we do now, Andy, is I'll go onto a profile. Yeah. I'll go and have a look at the person's website. And I'll put it in the little message that the person and mentioned a website with a link to their website as well. So mm-hmm. it shows that little effort that I've gone mm-hmm. and had a look. And I use may, maybe a quote or something that I found on their website right. that I'll ask them a question about as well. Right. It doesn't take much time to do that. What no. you're showing, what you're doing is, is, you know, sort of this basic law that exists in human relationships is how do you make yourself interesting to someone else mm. yeah. by being interested in them? So by doing what you did, you've demonstrated an interest in them. You suddenly made yourself more interesting to them. But I've also noticed that I've had to reduce the size, even though it's only a paragraph because you're a little bit messenger, even condense it down a little more because people don't like to read. You know, it's no. something in a LinkedIn that just six words looks like war and peace. You know, if you put it on a big screen, um, it drops down. But what what I'm getting at is that we just have to keep moving, trying, accepting. And I think yep. your book will i would like to think that the book will spark that interest for people to get back into the selling the selling mode well i think it will i think it it, it is as people are finding and already been reporting back to us it just gives them a a better framework to operate within so we in the book you know we draw the comparison between what i call selling out uh, which is these conventional salesy behaviors that buyers instinctively resist or oftentimes hate versus what I call selling in, which is based on four innate human attributes. So I call it connection, curiosity, understanding, generosity. What are they? And, what, what are they? <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, go into detail about how to, you know, how to, how to elevate, your abilities in those four areas in a way that helps the buyer achieve the things that are most important to them. And that's the goal. I, I think it's being yourself, you know, mm-hmm. all about being authentic and being yourself. Like, I, I don't know if you saw the post I put up on LinkedIn and I asked people, if you were authentic and being authentic was a sacrifice that you would lose your family and your friends and your work, you know, you'd lose your job. Are you willing to be authentic? And, you know, it's a, it's a good question to ask because we all have 
believe we're meant to be something else because society has led us to be that way. That's going into, you know, back to the armor, putting the armor right. back on the suit, where if we're just ourselves, like I'm, I'm, and the more I'm slip, slipping into this strip slipstream myself, I think one day I'm going to just come on here to do my show and I'll have a live on LinkedIn and I'll be in my dress account. Well, (laughs) the interesting thing about that question, though, that you pose is sort of implicit in that is the fact that you've built these relationships with friends and family by being inauthentic. Mm. Mm. So what a sad life that must have been. Um, But that's, you know, there's we know that people have fallen out with people over the last two years because of their point of view. So, you know not giving only giving your opinion when asked but being honest now don't do harm to you know rule do harm to nobody do harm no harm to no one no one's property but you know have the courage to stand in your own two shoes take full responsibility for your own individual life right be honest and truthful well and that's be kind that's right that's really the message of the book is that yeah i love the expression you know be yourself everyone else is taken yeah and it's really true and the story it's not in the book but it it uh one that i've written about and it has gotten interesting responses to is talking about my first job interview ever you know for my first sales job and it lasted a minute and so I was brought into the room. This was the job was ultimately to sell computer systems uh, with accounting applications. In my case, it was selling to the construction industry. But I'm brought into the conference room by the hiring manager. And he asks one question. And I I was expecting, well, tell me about yourself or you know, some regular interview question. But he asks an accounting question. Fair game, because I was, yeah going to be a job where required some knowledge of accounting and I'd taken accounting in college and done okay at it, but I was just not expecting that at all. And I froze. And after what seemed like an eternity, I said, uh, forgive me. I, I, you can, you have my, my, my college, uh, transcript right there. You can see I took accounting but I, I, yeah, I just can't come up with the answer right now. So it's okay if yeah, I go home tonight, I'll look up the answer. I'll call you tomorrow with the answer to the question. With that, he closes his notebook, stands up, leaves the room. Not a word. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, shit. I really, really messed up my first interview. And it's like all young people, what are my parents going to think? Um and then a few months later, this other gentleman comes to the room and he introduced himself. And he said, yeah, he's the, the boss of the entire office. And he said, so Ray, the guy I've been talking to, Ray says he wants to hire you. And it was that instinct to not try to BS somebody, but Bullshit, to just, yeah. you're right, just to be myself and come clean. Got me the job. Mm. And, and now, look, now look at you. Yeah, they, <laughs> but it's it's those lessons you learn. In my case, I learned early on. It's like, yeah, just be myself, yeah, it's, right? It's, and even extend that when I started selling, and and 
has out talking to CEOs and these entrepreneurs that have founded these successful construction companies. I was 21. I didn't know anything, right? What did I know about anything? Um, I looked 16 <laughs> to compound it. <laughs> I looked half my age practically. But they gave me their time. These successful people gave me their time. And they were really educating me. I mean, this was like getting my MBA, but I was sincerely interested in learning about them and, and their business and their companies and and how we could how we could help them. And for me, again, it just sort of reinforced this thing is like, yeah, just from being myself, to your point, people are gonna give me time. But that's the curiosity that you have, yeah. which made you a good salesperson. Like you said, we're both avid readers. We churn mm-hmm. through stuff. It's the curiosity that keeps us going. And but, makes it's a us, sincere, yeah. but it's a sincere interest in other people, though, too. Yeah, I it's mean, a curiosity. It's, 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 you know, it's two I, halves on the same coin, well, yeah. Yeah, I, I, people said to me, oh, why do you do the podcast? You know, we know that people do podcasts, and if they don't do them for... They do them for six episodes or six yep. months. And if they don't get anything out of them, they jack it in. They're gone, right. We do. I've been doing them five years. You're doing them. Seven. Seven. And people say, why do you do it? I says, I'm crap at golf. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I'm good at, as a matter of fact. But, yeah, <laughs> but I'm good at this. So this is my hobby. This is my right. golf. Yeah. You know, I don't need to bring someone off and be complete make an ass of myself on a field i can make me ass an ass of myself here but i'm connecting well, with them you know right but it's as i you may have experienced this is for me doing my podcasts i like to say is one of the most selfish things i've ever done because i've had conversations with hundreds and hundreds of really smart people and i've learned so much and i continue to learn every day from having these conversations yeah, one hundred percent. It's it is. It's it's for me. I think the benefit I have is because the radio. So mm-hmm. the radio, when getting guests, you know, does everyone is doing podcasts, you know, coming in through, and people right. say, I can't get anyone from my podcast because fucking everyone doing them now. But there's that little edge of the radio, so I do yeah. get, you know, I have that. That's the 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 benefit. The benefit right. of it. But I just get to speak to amazing people like yourself and, you know, other other thought leaders out there, um, you know, just normal people. And when you speak to someone who has a company that, you know, is a 10 million turnover, they've got thousands of employees and you're speaking to them like this, you realize they're just normal guys. Exactly. You know, they're just, you know, and other people are put them on a pedestal, like, you know, the yep. playboy, the best Western world and cut them <laughs> down and, you know, and, and it's just, and the one thing that a lot of them have told me that, that rank of CEO, right. it's a lonely job. They feel yes. isolated and there's no one there to share the information with because everyone has them up, up at this right. level. Which is where you come in with the work you do with them. I mean, that's, I found too, with, with my consulting work is, yeah, I always get hired by CEOs, not the head of sales. Mm. And yes, especially in small, mid-sized businesses, if they don't, oftentimes they don't have a board of directors, or even if they do have a board of directors, the CEO needs to talk to someone who's not a member of the board of directors, right? 
and they can't talk to their people that work for them directly about certain things. And yeah, you become that confidant yeah. that they need. But I always say, I come your board. I come part of your board of directors. Like I'm the guy that when you mm-hmm. want to bounce stuff off, that confidant, everything. And it, and you and me as, as you know, consultants, I don't even like that word really right. anymore. It's, it's a case of, um, it's just, you know, being there for people. And we have, a thousand years worth of knowledge and experience in us, you know, that way. So on it. I'm not that old, but well, yeah. between as we have between the two between of us, us, yeah, a thousand years, a thousand years. Yeah. Andy, the name of the book, where people can get it. Yes. Um, please give yourself a plug there. Sure. And then I will. And then after you've read it, have me back. We'll talk about it. Yeah. Um, So the book is called Sell Without Selling Out. Uh, Subtitle is A Guide to Success on Your Own Terms. It's available wherever you buy books online and in person as well, if you like to go to a bookstore. Um, I'm pretty sure, well, I don't know about Ireland per se. I'm pretty sure. We don't have have bookshops. You don't have bookstores anymore? No, we have have potato fields here. Yeah, okay. Points of Guinness. Uh, Well, you've got Amazon for sure. Amazon, uh, so Book Depository here as well. We have Eason. So any of the major places will you'll be able to get it on. It's wherever you buy books, it's available. And um, yeah, pick it up and let me know what you think. But half of my audience is American as well. Oh, there you go. Maybe they'll buy it too. Um, Our biggest audience is Ireland, America, and England and then okay. scattered all around the world as well so that's from the podcast but the radio we've the radio show is listened to, uh, live um in 100 countries 100 countries oh, wow yeah well hello to everybody out there hello and everyone out there. everyone out there so yeah and then if you want to come visit my website andypaul.com and we've got you can download a free chapter if you want to sample the book and we've got a Fun little quiz you can take assessment about just how salesy are you, and um, it's not meant to be scientific. Just a fun thing to give you a sense of where you are, sort of on the spectrum between what I call selling out and selling in. And then yeah, connect with me on LinkedIn. Love to have Perfect. the conversation. Perfect. Andy, pleasure having you on. Joe, pleasure thanks for having me on the show. Me.